Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you this morning for your faithfulness. We want to thank you, Father God, that you want to speak to us. Lord, we are ready and we are open to hear you speak. Right now, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we are at our last... <sighs> it's so sad when you are leaving the book of Ephesians. Not leaving, leaving, but... Um, when we have to stop talking about Ephesians on a Sunday morning. But um, just a quick, a quick um, detail about the book of Ephesians is divided into two sections. The first section is who we are in Christ. Now, the second section is how we live in Christ. So that begins from chapter 4, which was the part that Pastor Chris dealt with last week. How we live in Christ. And verse 1 of chapter 4 begins by saying, please can you give us that? Just the verse 1 of chapter 4. It begins by saying, thank you. It's coming. Praise God. Praise God for things that is coming. <laughs> it's good stuff that is coming. Okay. As a prisoner of the Lord... Then I urge you, I urge you, or I beseech you, uh -huh, to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. So this is, this is the first part of the scripture that actually breaks open to the second part of the whole book. Okay? It says, as a prisoner of the Lord, then... Then he's basing everything that he said in the first part of the book. As for the fact that this is who you are in Christ, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. This is what you have received in Christ Jesus. This is who you are in Christ Jesus. So therefore, live as such. Okay? And so, this is where we are. This is now the beginning of chapter 5. It continues to tell us in detail as to what those things are. Now I must confess that this is not your kind of sermon that will make you feel good in that way that you thought you were going to feel good this morning. This is the word of God that is coming very sharp and very straight to challenge, to help you, to encourage you so that you can live like a Gentile who is not lost, but who is now founded in Christ Jesus. This word, you need to understand that Apostle Paul is speaking to people who have never heard the gospel before. These are believers who have only now realized that they have a plan. I mean, God has a plan for them. They are founded in Christ Jesus, but they still, they are living they are in their own world ways. They are living like pagans. They are living in their own traditional ways of thinking. But Paul is now challenging them to say, now that you are saved, now that God has brought you into his family, this is how you live as Gentiles, as God's holy people, as his royal priesthood, a people belonging to God. Okay? So he continues to break it open. Give me chapter 5, verse 1. I mean, first, before we go there, let's just go to the subdivisions. Thank you. So what we're going to look at now 
It's the four subdivisions of the last part of the book. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 to 7 says, imitate God. So God is that kind of a leader who does not just want to tell you what to do, but he shows you an example. And then he says, you see what I'm doing? So just do exactly that. Imitate me. And then Ephesians 5, 18 to 14, he says, I mean, 8 to 14, he says, walk as children of the light. Because this is where you belong. This is who you are now. So this is how you walk. Okay? Walk as children of the light. Chapter 5, verse 15 to 6, 9, says, live wisely and responsibly. Okay? So those are the different subsections that you will see. And then the last one, of course, we all know about Ephesians 6. Okay? We all know about those moments where you wake up. Before you wake up, you say, I put on the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth. You know, all these things that we used to practice in order to understand that the life that we are living, we are in war with powers and principalities. And so that's the battle that concludes the book. So the first part, imitate God. Follow his example. It's amazing. Give me the first verse. It says, follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children. It's one thing when someone keeps giving you a command and there is no love in it. But when someone speaks to you in love and says, this is what you do, my love. You, 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 with your heart. With your heart, you do it. There are some, there are some families where <laughs> the children don't do things at home, but when they're at the neighbor's house, they do everything. They wash the dishes and they do everything. You find a child carrying a plastic of, a, of a, the garbage, taking it to the bin. And then you're wondering, isn't that my child? Maybe you're not doing it in love. And the auntie there next door is loving your child. And that's why the child feels so responsive. And so God is that amazing parent. He's challenging us and he's helping us understand that when he says, follow my example, he's not lording it over us. He is helping us understand that this is happening because you're dearly loved. And so, because of love, we respond involuntarily. We just go. Okay? So, follow God's example. Follow God's example. We know, some people say, yeah, Jesus was God. But do you know that Jesus was also a man, 100%? So, we cannot just get stuck on the divinity of God and forget that he was human like you and me. The book of Hebrews in in chapter 5, it helps us unpack and understand that he also suffered like you and me. He understands. He went through the same challenges, but yet without sin. And then he says, you can do exceedingly, abundantly, far above what you could ever think or imagine. So in other words, he gives you also the grace to do what he expects from you. 
What an amazing God. So as you live this life, verse 2, it says, walk in the way of love. Walk in the ways of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So whatever you do, if you are feeling that this is hard, this is difficult, I did not sign up for this, just remember the ways of love. It needs to happen in the way that the other person is feeling loved and cared for because of your sacrifices. So in other words, you forget about how you want to feel, how you want to be loved, how you want to be, but you consider the other person first. Because that's what Christ did. When he was praying, it was not easy because the scripture says he sweat to the point of shedding blood. Have you or me ever shedded blood before? But Christ went through a heavy sacrifice so that we have no excuse. So walk in the ways of love. Verse 3, it says, but among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. So we must not last after one another in church. I'm sorry, but that's what the scripture is saying. We can't last after each other. We must love one another. Now, I'm not saying you must not desire a girl and want to pursue her romantically. That's not what I'm saying. But do it the right way. If you find one, please, one. One. Pursue that girl with your whole heart and let the whole world know that I've made my decisions. But if you pursue this one wholeheartedly, after two weeks, another one wholeheartedly, after three weeks, another one wholeheartedly, people will be like, okay, this sister or this brother. Now all the girls are enemies with each other just because of you. Huh? So there mustn't be a hint. And clearly, clearly, this is especially for us men. One of the toughest decisions in, in men's life is to choose the woman to marry. Because there are so many of them. And they are beautiful. And they all love the Lord. And they are called according to his purposes. For his good pleasure. And you know what? God loves his daughters. Man, if we just think about that, we will not mess around. But it's difficult to make that decision. I tell you, it's difficult. Because when you look at beauty and then you look at the other person and you look at go like, Lord, which one? They are all my friends. Yeah, Justina is my bestie. So which one? You can go fast and pray, or you can put them in the line. And you go, Inky, Pinky, Ponky, Daddy had a donkey, donkey died. <laughs> Inky, Pinky, Ponky. <laughs> then you are cheating. Yeah, so please, guys, I know it's difficult, but we must, we must stay away from a hint of sexual immorality. And you know it. 
You know it when you want to visit a girl 10 o'clock at night rather than meeting her during the day. Ah, she stays alone. I mean, she has an apartment. I mean, she sell, you know, she's a lawyer or whatever. Huh? Lawyers. Huh? So I can just come and knock. There's no one that's going to know. It's just between me and her. And then, of course, I'm just going to go visit. So we'll sit on the lounge. Then the couch becomes the bed. I mean, no hint of sexual immorality. Or any kind of impurity. Why? Because we are called to be in the light. We are called to be in the light. Christ's blood has purified us from what? All unrighteousness. So we are any kind of impurities behind. Greed. You know when that person just wants and wants and wants more and more. It can even be shoes, ladies. It can even be shoes. Don't break about your high heels and how many they are. Matching your handbags. Greed is greed. Okay? Because of this, because these are improper for God's holy people. God's holy people cannot be associated with these things. We must stay away from such. Please give me the next verse. Nor should there be obscenity now. That word. That word. You know there are people who plan to just say stuff that will just make you think, what does this person think about me? What do they really think about me? I can't believe that there are such evil thoughts about me. They will, you will think that they are your friends, but every now and then they just drop some negative vibes into your life. Bah! 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 It's like, what is going on? The children of God are not supposed to be found saying all kinds of things that hurt others. We are, we are, we are not those kind of people. Foolish talks. Now, I'll, <laughs> there is a part in a man's life where you are learning how to talk and you are learning vocabularies and you are, you are learning, you know, manners, especially during teenage years. That's fine. We can keep up with you. But there need to be a time where you need to grow up. You can't just keep having foolish talks all the time, all the time. They're just foolish talks, foolish talks, foolish talks. Foolish talks. But every time when you open your mouth, people just go like, hey, 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 hey. We can't. We must be mature. We must be mature. Sometimes when I listen to little kids, I'm more embarrassed. I'm like, what? How old are you again? No, I'm five. Wow. I'm really finding nowadays children more mature than our adults. I'm like, is the world getting better or what? Maybe people are just becoming better and better. But the old people are dying out like the Israelites. And when we have the Joshua generation to enter into the promised land. Maybe. But these kind of things cause joking. I came across a scripture in the book of Proverbs. Now I forgot the reference. Eh? 
26 verse 18. Please put it up. Proverbs 26 verse 18. Rekabasiti. Put it up. Proverbs 26 verse 18. Like a maniac shooting flame arrows of death. Continue. Is one who deceives their neighbor and say. Aha. Huh? Huh? Like a, you are being compared to a maniac. You know, like this is. This is not, don't think about those WW crazy people. Think about someone who is really crazy, who just takes an arrow and just shoot it into a neighbor's house. A flaming arrow. And then, when the other person is hurting, come on, what's up with you? It's just only joking, man. Really? We can't do that. We can't do that. Give me the... the, Let's go back to Ephesians. We can't do that. We can't do that. Ephesians 5. Thank you. We can't do that. We can't joke and joke and joke and keep joking. We are hurting other people. We are hurting other people. Uh, Yes, no, are we not supposed to have fun? Is life not fun anymore? No. There are other ways of having fun. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or curse, joking, which are out of place. You see, these kind of things is those things that we have to really be very creative. Some people are very creative about, or everybody. Everybody is creative about these kind of things. And then you expect people to laugh with you. <laughs> it was just meant to be a joke. No, stop it. These things are out of place. But what should we do? Rather, we must give thanks. Like in our hearts, there must be thanksgiving. When you give thanks, when you are full of gratitude and praise and thanksgiving, people see that you appreciate life in its most simplest form. I met a sister from Malawi and I've never met someone like that before. And this person, she is very thankful. Every time. She's one of those people who will just say, yeah, no, I thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you, thank you. Yeah, no, I thank you. I thank you, yeah, thank you. <laughs> First, I used to be annoyed with this person. Well, I was like, what's wrong with you? Why can't you, why are you, you always say, no, you don't have to say thank you now. No, please stop. But then I realized when I came to this scripture, it says, but rather, give thanks. So out of your mouth, if there is something, if there is nothing else that is upbuilding, that is good, that is praiseworthy, just say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And that should not just be from the mouth, but it should be an attitude of the heart. It should be an attitude of the heart. And when it is an attitude of the heart, people will see that you are genuine. And they will appreciate you because you appreciate them. Because being thankful is even just the mere fact that you have people listening to you. So guys, thank you. Thank you for coming to church this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for hearing these sermons. Thank you. I really appreciate that. 
Thank you. Give me the next slide. For of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person. Such a person is an idolater. Has anything. Has anything in the kingdom of Christ. Huh? Has any inheritance. This person is, is an idolater and has no inheritance basically. That's what it says. They have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. They have no inheritance. Now, these are people, these are not, these are not unbelievers that you know that they don't, they are not interested in church. They don't want, they, they have not heard the gospel. These are those people that you know they are hanging here in our midst. They like doing what we do. They lift up their hands as if really they are praising God. These are those people that only God with his eye can see that they are goats among the sheep. You will be able to pick them up by the fruit they bear. And when you see the wrong in their life, they will not be humble about it. They will not repent from it. They will have excuses. They will not be responsible about their sins. They always have excuses. They will point to someone else that you, if, you, if you didn't do that, I wouldn't have done. So those kind of husbands that beat their wife and they said, you made me do it. Yeah, if you don't do that, then I will not beat you. So stop, stop doing those kind of things and then I will be a cool husband and I will love you just like every other good husband out there. Or those wives that beat their husbands which was in the newspaper recently. <laughs> a man was just talking about when he comes to the police to report, the police officers, they laugh at him. And so he feels ashamed that he is weak and his wife is stronger physically. So, and there are so many of the men that are being beaten out there. All this is because people are not in walking in the ways of love. They are not walking in the ways of love. The next verse. Let no one deceive you. No, the next one. Therefore, do not partner with them. Do not partner with these people. That does not mean do not preach the gospel to them. Preach the gospel. The only partnership there is there. That they must hear that Christ is Lord. And that they are sinners. They need a savior. If they don't want to hear the gospel and they tell you that please don't preach to me but pray for me. I just want the blessing. If you say if I'm not going to preach, I'm not going to pray for you. Allow me to preach. Then I will pray. You can go pray for them in private but not right here. Because you are not speaking to their sinful nature. If you just pray a blessing for them. If you're going to pray for them, just pray that, Lord, I pray right now that they will receive the gospel. That you will change their heart. Even if they are stopping your prayer halfway. Say, no, no, that's not the kind of prayer I want. Because the gospel is the power of salvation to the world that is perishing. People need the gospel. The last verse in this part section, verse 8. 
says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. You were once darkness. Not, you were, not that you were in dark. Your whole, you, your whole self. You were darkness. So Christ is light. And he makes us like him. That's why we are called Christians. So we become light. Yes, we are in the light. But we also become the light. Because you are the light of the world. Amen? Amen. Please, uh, this, this amazing sermon needs a lot of time. But uh, we'll just have to do with what we have to do. Children of the light. Walk as children of the light. Verse 9 says, For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. This is God's characters. This is God's attributes. They become who you are. They are part of you. So as you live in Christ, these things must be visible in your life. People must just say, oh, I can't believe how good Elder Godfrey is. I just can't believe how good my brother is. He is so good. Man, you are so good. Man, you are really so good. People must just praise the character and the attributes that is reflected in your life. You know, sometimes when you do something, there are some people who say, I thought good people have died. But now that I see you, I can still believe that there is a God. Goodness has not yet gone completely out of the face of the earth. Why? Because the world has become evil. And the scripture continues to say, the days of evil are approaching. So it means people are surrounded by evil around them. But as soon as you are there, the light needs to shine that the hope in the people's lives is brought back. That's the purpose of the believer among the heathens. That's the purpose of the believer. Find what pleases the Lord. As a Gentile who does not know God, now all of a sudden you are introduced to this God. So what is it that pleases him. Now this is where there is a thin line between being a nominalist or someone who practices the religious activities and being a true Christian. There is a very thin line there. The thin line is in your understanding. When you know that what you do every day is an act of worship to the Lord, and this is the work that is prepared way in advance for you to do. When you understand that, your life, you live from a different perspective. But somebody who does not understand that, what they do is that they do things to earn God's favor. That's the difference. So you are doing something to earn God's favor. So if I do this, he's going to bless me. Yesterday, I gave a $10 to the boy that was crying by the robot. I wanted to give him an apple and then the boy said, Aham. You know those boys? Now they don't want anything else rather than money. 
So now we 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 came up with a very great strategy because we said I don't give money, I just buy stuff. Now they are saying I I don't want bread, I just want cash. And they are crying, my friend. I don't know whether it's really serious, but they are crying those boys. So what are you going to do? We need to regroup now and say should we find another strategy or should we just give that money and get it over and done with? Because the day will come when Christ will say, I send you someone. Or I was there and I was hungry and you did not give me anything. So we need to think now. This is where you put on what pleases the Lord in this situation. You need to find out what pleases the Lord. Yes, as a believer, you need to live a holy life. That is no question asked. We touched on those improper things. You, 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 you understand that? But now, continuing in a life of being in Christ, how does that look like on a daily basis? Loving people who don't love you. It's like throwing a stone in the water and you don't hear the sound back. It's like, did it land or is it still? Uh-huh. Should I throw another one? Or it's not worth it. Even if there's no water, it must hit the stone or something. You see, you keep giving and you keep giving and you're not getting anything back. That is what is happening with Christ Jesus. He has offered his life without thinking twice. He said, I am going to give. And I'm going to give and give my whole life. Without thinking, what about those that will not receive me? And then he says, to those that he receives me, I give them the right to become the children of God. If you don't receive me, you will face the wrath of God, which was upon me on the cross. You will take it upon yourself. So, those, that's the first part. Now take me to the second part. I mean the, the, the third part. Take me to the third part. The third part is living wisely and responsibly. As Christians, as children of God, we are supposed to be wise. Guys, we are supposed to be wise and we must take responsibility for anything that is happening in and around our lives. We can't just blame shift. We can't just talk about other people. It is about me and those around me. How do I live wisely? So, First of all, first of all, verse 15 says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk in wine. It's stupid to get drunk, guys. It's not saying don't drink wine. It's not saying that here. Just don't, don't get drunk. Drunkards... Is one of those things that are listed in those people that will not inherit the kingdom of God if you read Galatians 5. Being drunk is foolish. Okay? It's foolish. If you have a drinking problem now, please just stop. If you have a drinking problem, just stop. Because it's very foolish. It takes you backwards. It takes your whole family backwards. It drops you from the blessings that God keeps giving you. And you are an ungrateful person. 
Because you say, what you give me, I will throw it away. Your kids will look at other people's houses with puppy eyes. And when they are eating nice food, you, you are wondering what is going on. I met a man who said to me that the last day, the last day I stopped drinking. I finished my whole salary. And I was so stupid. I felt so stupid. I'm walking home and I know there is no food there and I'm hungry and I did not bring anything along. All I have is a stinging mouth, stinging feet, stinging arms, dirty clothes and vomit all over me. No income. You see, it's foolish to get drunk in wine. And the bad thing about it is you get hooked. You get hooked and there is a demon there. You never let you go. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. This is a double emphasis about understanding the will of God. First, you must look for the will of God, search for it, and then you must understand it. You must understand that. So it's one thing to know about that will. It's another thing to put it into action. Because putting it into action is revealing that you understand what God expects of you. Okay? Um, Speaking to one another with psalms, with hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music with your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Always, again, giving thanks to the Lord. But now, from verse 21 on, I mean from verse 22, but verse 21, Paul is still speaking to the church. And he is saying, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another. Now, the person who was dividing the Bible, they made a mistake there. Because those hymns and songs and everything and everything, that verse 21 is still supposed to be there where the whole brothers, all the brothers and sisters are supposed to submit to one another in reverence for Christ. And then it moves to the marriage part. Because here now, we see marriage couple pulling this scripture upon one another. Where our submission is for everybody. Submission is meant for everyone. There is a scripture. It says we must submit to one another. When it comes to the marriage context, the verse 22 says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. So the submission to one another is the body of Christ, the body of believers. Yes, my wife is saved if she's saved. I am supposed to submit to her because she is uh, a believer. But when it comes into a home context, there must be one that is to lead the family. There must be one that is to make the final call. And who will be held responsible before God. And that responsibility is given to the husband. There is no confusion from scripture about that. Scripture is very clear there. Wives, the reason why it says wives is because it is directing it specifically to a different group. It is not to the church here. So, 
The word submission. The word submission goes hand in hand with respect in a man's world. If you are not respecting your husband, you are about to be divorced. If you are not respecting your husband, your husband is going to walk out on you. He's going to leave that whole family and he's going to go somewhere else. And I'm telling you, this is where those ladies who don't have husbands and who don't think that they will be married, they are praying on these guys who are falling off the wagon. They say, yeah, yeah, we're just waiting. Because we know that those ladies, they are so spoiled. They think Jesus loves them alone. We are also human beings. So, what does he do? He looks for respect. And I'm telling you, those girls, it's like they go through a special school of respecting men. It's like, no, I understand. And boy, there goes that guy. All the way. All the way. So what should you do as a wife? This is, this is the Bible. What should you do as a wife? You must respect that guy. Respect that guy. Now don't say, ah, he's a man. That's why he's talking. I'm coming to the ladies. I mean to, to you guys. I'm coming to you guys. Because the scripture is, is getting there. Respect. Please give me some time. I know time is up, but we need to get to this. We need to get to this. It's important. That word respect there and submit. Rather the word submit rather. It, it is the need of a man in a home. Yes, he's got his own issues. Yes, he is a sinner, saved by grace. But there is a deep yearning of a man being respected. There's a deep yearning. There are some people now that it's all gone. It's out of the window. They know in their hearts I, it wouldn't have gotten this Wonderful. Thank you, Sven. Thank you, Mark. It wouldn't have gotten this far if I've just respected that man. This is the man's part. Just bear with me. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the savior. Now, there is something about a desire in a man's heart to protect, to provide, to be there for his family. It is God-given desire and need. It is there. And when man is failing in this thing, we beat ourselves too hard. We, beat, we know that. We don't need even to be preached. We don't need a sermon about it. We know that. When we are falling short, we know. 
It's in our heart. It's there. It's a God-given intrinsic value in a man. To love, to care, to provide, and to protect. And so, men don't need to be reminded about who they are and what they are supposed to do. They don't need a reminder in that. Because the moment you remind, you don't know when to stop. You keep going and going and going, and then he's talking, now you are nagging. No, I'm not nagging, I'm just reminding you. And then things get out of hand. And then you think, uh, when he comes, I will just remind him this last time. And then he's out. And then, two months, you have not spoken about the heart-to-heart issues. And the issues have piled up so much. It's important to submit and to respect your husband. There are things that you need to decide, the two of you. Of course, everything you must decide, the two of you. But when there is those moments when there is a a 50-50 issues on the table. The way how you do that as a wife, God has also given you the grace to do that. There is a humble way how to speak to your men. There is a humble way how to present that request. Just like Queen Esther. There is a humble way. And I'm telling you, he won't refuse. If he smells and he sees that there is no other attitude but respect that is coming out of your heart. And unmarried ladies, please learn now. Don't go there and say, you know what? I've got a degree. I don't really need this. <laughs> Especially now that we've got statistics where Namibian ladies are getting more educated than our men. And men are afraid to date educated women. So all the educated women are hanging there and they are single and, and they think that the moment I date this lady, she's just going to pull her check on me. Who's, who's paying the bills here? And I'm telling you, men don't want to hear those kind of things. They don't want to hear those kind of things. The moment you play that card, you have lost that guy already. He's gone. So respect comes in amazing. And I've seen amazing ladies, like my wife. I mean, she's amazing. I'm telling you, when that woman found me, I was <laughs> was nothing. <laughs> it was tough, man. But I'm telling you, she never, I'm, up to this day, she never mentioned that she is earning what. She brings her money home and we sit together and she submitted to the Lordship and we decide together. It has made me so secure. So slowly but surely she kept calling the man out of me. With her submission. And I said, yeah, no, I also need to go study now. So I need to start manning up now. You see. You need to understand, today I'm standing here with a degree in theology, but I failed my grade 12 with four. I had four in my grade 12. 
I came with my statement of result. I said, this is the man you want to marry? Because I was insecure, you see. This is me. These are my issues. He said, ah, no, don't worry, man. I trust the man in Christ. And now the issue of our salary, income, what? It's the issue of the past. The Lord is good. When you meet a woman of the Lord. So, women, submit. Speak to him through submission. Minister to his heart by the way how they used to do it those years. You never hear those grannies of ours. You never hear them talking back to the man. Yeah, but. You know what but does? Everything you said is not important, but what I'm going to say now is what needs to stand on the table. So it cancels everything that was said before. So the moment that happens, a husband receives someone who does not care about what you feel. I just want to put this thing on the table. And nowadays they cry, ladies. Now in an African culture, if a woman cries, then there's a big problem. No, no, I don't want you to cry. Okay, let's leave this story. Let's just leave this story. No, I just want us to talk. Oh, we can't just talk about it. Because you are crying now, you see. You are also shouting and raising your voice. So these are the kind of things. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming, Hilda. It's coming. Just submit to Philip. <laughs> it's coming. It's Philip moment now. <laughs> so, now, as the church submits to Christ, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their own husbands. To their own husbands. Please do not demand submission from every woman on the street. <clears throat> the Hereros specifically have a problem with this one. I'm a man. What kind of a woman? Take your hands off your lips. Oh, I mean your, your hips. You know those altar tests. If they find ladies sitting standing like this, Kuma, it communicates something. I don't know what it communicates, but apparently, take your hands off your hips. So the ladies is supposed to go like this. I don't know what that is. But wives are supposed to submit to their own husbands. Another woman out there on the street is a sister in Christ. You submit to one another. Amen? So the moment when a lady comes to a man and submitting to him and he's not the husband, there is a problem there. Because this is why we are having problems that we are having. Because every time when a man talks to you, you feel like, oh, he's interested in me, so I'm supposed to submit. He's not your husband. You can't submit to him. Submit to your own husband in everything. Continue to the next verse. For the husband is the, the head of the wife, 
As Christ is the head of the church. He's not the head of the home. It says here, the head of the wife. So that's where it begins. That's where it starts. It starts with being the head of the wife. Because there is no home without a wife. Children come from the wife and husband together. So, you can't just say, no, we are waiting for children and many dishes and many cars and a big house. Then you can start submitting to the house. You must submit to the wife. I mean, the wife must submit to the, to the husband. The husband is the head of the wife. It's clear. Now, as the church, no, verse 20, verse 23. You said there is verse 23. Oh, we must we keep going. Hilda, must we keep going? Okay. For the husband is the head. No, no. 25. Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. Dudes. Now let me talk to men. Now men. There's something about a woman. There's something about a woman. That word love there. It's a lot of things. It's not just one thing. It's not just provision. Those men who says, I bought the bag of maize meal, what more do you want from me? I bought flowers for you, what more do you... No, 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 no. That word love speaks attention. It speaks communication. It speaks time. It speaks caring. It speaks affection. And a whole lot more. A whole lot more. It is not just love your wife. Yeah, I will love you. It speaks security. It speaks a whole lot of things. That word. So we are supposed to sacrifice the things that doesn't come so natural to us. We must sacrifice so that they can receive. Because they need to receive the love. They call it the crazy circle. When you are not doing what you are supposed to do, demands starts happening. You are not loving me. Yeah, how can I love you if you don't respect me? You are not respecting me. How can you expect love from me? It's a crazy circle. But what is supposed to happen is each and every person needs to do their own homework. 100%, not 50-50. Husbands, do not come from home, I mean from work, just to settle down and to put your feet up and to wait for food. Spend time with the queen. Find out how she feels. How was her day? What is happening in her life? What is the Lord saying? Where are you? Share how you feel <clears throat> about her. Sometimes she doesn't just want to know about how your business is prospering. She want to know how your heart is looking after her. So it's deep. It's deep. It's more than that. Just as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He gave himself up for her. He died to his own desires and needs. Christ left heaven. The comfort of heaven. 
There are guys who are married today and they are still living like they are single. The moment when that woman wants to invade that space, they feel uncomfortable. They want to run away. There are guys who are not making commitments. Even in marriage, you are not committing, but you have committed yourself. So it is more than just that. He gave himself up to her. So you must die to yourself and take the other person on board. You must love the woman. Women need to be loved. The woman needs to be loved. They need to be cared for. Yes, it's one thing to pursue a vision and a dream for the sake of your kids and your grandkids and what, 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 being a man. But sometimes we do neglect the family that we want to gather the things for. Some men are not cheating. Some men are, they are just committed to creating a future, an amazing future for their family. But the family, they are demanding for attention right now, right now, right now. And then when you hear, she will say, I don't want worth. I just want my husband. If you can just stop doing all those things and just give me attention. It's a serious sacrifice. It's a serious sacrifice. But let's love genuinely. Let's love honestly. Now, I must say that time is up. But I've got so much to say. To make her holy. The way she looks before she's married to you. It's her own fault. It has nothing to do with you. But the way she looks in marriage, after you said I do, it's yours. It's yours. You must make her holy. You used to call her an angel. Now she is the other person. What happened to the angel part? Has the angel lost the wings? And who is to be blamed? You must make her holy. How do you do that? Cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. You are a priest and a prophet in your own home. You need to speak the truth of God's word into her life. You need to preach, but not preach, preach, preach. Is it speaking the word of God to her? Reading the scriptures to her? Helping her unpack some of the things? Some of the ladies are even better than their husbands. But it is your role to wash her with the word. To make her holy. We are not supposed to go out there and just discuss about our our wives. And talk bad about them. We are to protect them. To make them feel whole and complete. Yes, in Africa we do things differently. People are very passionate here in Africa. People raise their voice when passion kicks in. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they are angry with each other. Also, people deal with marital issues differently. Some people, they shout. So get in a car. Drive. Without the whole world hearing your problems. Ne? Don't tell me what, what. No, no, no. Get in the car. Go shout at one another. If shouting helps, go shout at one another. But if it is also a thing where... You have someone who doesn't shout, someone shouts. Try to understand 
how each and every person works and operates. But the most important thing is, as soon as communication is not happening in marriage, done. Done. Communication is key. And women feel secure when the husband communicates. It communicates love. The most, I think I remember my wife used to, something that she used to say at the beginning of of our marriage, she used to say, penny for your thoughts. Because we are very intrinsic individuals, men. We sometimes tend to think about a lot of things, but when we are asked what we are thinking about, we say nothing. (laughs) But she would love to know what you are thinking. And when you look at the person, you can really see this person is in deep thoughts. What are you thinking about? (laughs) Ah, nothing. It's important to just communicate. Even those silly thoughts, even those silly ideas, you become one. You become one. Now, why is this important in a marriage, in the a, in a life of a believer? Because families begin with husband and wife. Family begins with husband and wife. And if your home does not reveal the Christ-like home, then you are falling short. You are not living as a Christian. And your kids will not grow up as seeing that mommy and daddy really love each other. They will see that mommy and daddy always jump on each other's throat. They hate each other. I don't want to be in this home. You start seeing that your kids don't want to stay at home. Because of every conversation is an argument. And it's not those arguments that you are always prepared for. You find yourself 10 minutes in a conversation, you are really arguing and it's heated up. So use discernment. Try to see how can Christ permeate my home? How can he have the supremacy in this house? What are some of the things that we can put in place that will show that we are people of God? And he continues to speak about slaves and masters that... Slaves must not, or the work, if you are an employee, in today's term, you must not work in such a way that you are only wanting to please your boss. When your boss is not there, you are sitting with your feet up in the air. No. You're supposed to do your work as if you are doing it unto the Lord. That's how believers are supposed to do this. And it continues then to your children. Children. Children, I think that is chapter 6. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. If you want to talk about righteousness in early childhood development, it's here. It's obedience. It's obedience, obedience, obedience. Because when a child learns how to obey a parent, they will not struggle how to obey the Lord. Yes, at some stage as you grow older, obedience falls away because you are now an adult. You can't obey your father the same way you were obeying him when you were a child. And he will, should not make such demands like you were a child. He's keeping you crippled. But this is the next part. These commands of honoring our parents comes with a promise. The promise is it will be a prolonged life. That's the promise. But then it says... Give me the, 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 the next verse. Fathers, do not exasperate 
exasperate your children. In other words, do not provoke them to anger. Unnecessarily. You know those parents when they are walking and as soon as they walk into the house, what is going on here? Even if there's nothing. What is going on here? And then the kids just go like, ah, there he comes. It's not necessary. It is really not necessary. Your kids will not like you. They will love your homes because that's where they get food. But they don't want you to be around. Some parents, they, when they come into the house now, they have no relationship with their kids. They go straight to the bedroom because the kids, they never cultivated that relationship, that healthy relationship. It's not good. So do not do that. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Training them well. Training a child is helping a child to be independent, to be God-loving, to be um, God-fearing, and to reason and to remain godly in the way how they talk. You know, some parents, they only know how to instruct their kids when there's other people around because the kids don't know how to behave. It's like, no, no, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. You know that don't do that is not an instruction. It's just stopping. It's red lights everywhere. Red light, red light, red light, red light. So the child is asking, so what should I do? I need an instruction to help me to understand what should I do. So don't do that. Don't do that. It's also limiting the child's vocabulary. Don't do that. Stop that. Stop. Stop that. So there's all these stop signs everywhere and the child doesn't know where to go. So be creative in the way how you communicate to the child. Speak in such a way that is helping the child to articulate the instructions you gave. So that they can really reason and understand and have a decent conversation with you. I remember the first day that Oliver asked me, so daddy, how was your day? I was like, oh, he cares. You know? And he was, he was not just asking, he really wanted to know. So we keep having this thing when I pick him up from school, we're just having a proper conversation. And he's a very people's person. And I'm starting to see that more so instead of stopping him and sending him to his room, because I know he's social, so I need to leave him among people so that he learns how to behave and live as a child that needs to grow in his giftings and talents. So spend time with your children. Learn how to understand them. Don't just provoke them to anger all the time. Bring them up in the actions of the Lord. Next, next one. We are almost done. We are almost done. Okay, what one we have spoken? The next one. Next one. Okay, I think the next one is the armor of the Spirit of God. The armor of the Spirit of God. This is about the battle. If we understand that our war is not against flesh and blood, we will not have problems with people. We are not going to have problems with people. You need to look at someone and realize that they are not my enemy. Now, I'm saying this specifically, and this is just dropping on my heart now. Especially in Namibia here. 
when people are promoted, there is so much hatred and there is so much strife, especially in the marketplace. People are competing. The competition there is crazy. It's crazy. People are scared. People are coming to us, pastors, and they say, Pastor, please pray for me. I have enemies at work. Because I just got promoted recently and I really feel so scared that people will just witch me. Because of my position that I just upheld. If you understand that you are a child of God and God's protection is upon your life, you will not worry about how people feel about you. You will not worry about the negative vibes that you're sort of getting around your workplace. You will focus and you will be the light and you will not dance to the enemy's music. You will dance to the Lord's music. So the best thing to understand is that the armor of God, it is something to help us understand to remain in the truth and to know that we are shielded by God and to understand that we have the gospel to proclaim. Not only with words, but also with our lives. Okay, as we do that, and as we live faithfully in our families, with our employees, with our employers, as we do that, we are living the life of Christ. We are living in the way that he has called us, in the way that he wants us to live, which is to give glory to him. Why? Because we are children of the light. So the armor is not that thing that you used to practice every morning when you wake up and you say, I put on the breastplate of righteousness, I put on this, I put, now I'm ready to face the day. No. The day you gave your life to Christ, the armor of God is upon your life. The more you study this word, you are equipping yourself with the belt of truth, you are equipping yourself with the gospel of peace. You are equipping yourself with a shield. That protects your whole everything. God's presence is in your life. So let's all stand as I as I close. Live as amazing children of God. We are not. We are not in darkness any longer. We are not darkness any longer. But we are people of God. And our lives is supposed to reflect that fully. Lord, we ask that you will protect us. We ask that you will teach us. Thank you for this amazing word of Ephesians. Lord, we pray that you will help us to understand so that we can live a life worthy of the call. Lord, that day will come when you will look at us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Because we have been walking in your footsteps, we have been walking in your ways. We ask you, Lord, to be with us. We ask you to guide us. We ask you, Lord, that you will prosper our families. Lord, where there is things that we have done that have damaged our relationships, be with our family members, our extended families. Lord, help us to make right. Lord, you say that we must forgive as you have forgiven us. May we live a life of forgiveness and follow your example of forgiveness that you have given us. 
on the cross. Father, we pray for life and blessings and peace in our marriages. We pray for the love of God. We pray for the submission of God between husbands and wives. We pray, Lord, that there will be peace and that there will not be war in our families. We speak that gender-based violence will stop in this nation. We pray, Father God, that you will help the men of God and the women of God in this room right now to continue being the light and to change the statistics in this nation. Father, we pray that children will not run away from their houses and become street kids. But out of love, they will be nurtured. We pray that people will stop demanding resignations just because they don't want to submit and serve their bosses and do their work as if it is unto the Lord. Lord, we bless them. We bless each and every one in this church. We bless them. We pray that we will live wisely and responsibly in Jesus' name. Amen. Go with God. Love your families. And submit to the body of Christ.